Welcome to another episode of the Reformation Roundtable podcast. My name is Joe Stout, and this podcast is a ministry of Christ Covenant Church in Centralia, Washington. During each episode, you will hear the sermons, liturgy, discussions, and interviews from the various weekly gatherings here at Christ Covenant Church. If you would like to find out more, please visit us online at ChristCovenantCentralia.com. Please enjoy the following audio. Gracious God in heaven, thank you for the, um, the wonderful and heavy and glorious um, burden of parenting. Uh, it's a burden that we get to carry joyfully, uh, and it's a burden because um, it is always with us, uh, and we want to be... Uh, good parents. We want to be like uh, King Jesus. Um, we want to be like our elder brother. And we ask, Father, that you'd help us to think like Jesus. We ask for the mind of Christ and that that mind of Christ would um, show us how we are to think about being parents and how we are to be uh, parents that can truly love our children and um, honor you. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so there'll be a Q&A time afterwards. Um, let's start, though, with uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6. I'm going to read verses 1 through 9 and then 20 through 25. Uh, now, these are the commandments, the statutes, and the judgments which the Lord your God commanded, you, commanded to teach you, that you might do them in the land whither you go to possess it, that thou mightest fear the Lord thy God to keep all his statutes and his commandments, which I command thee, thou and thy son, And thy sons' sons all the days of thy life, and that thy days may be prolonged. Hear therefore, O Israel, and observe to do it, that it may be well with thee, and that ye may have increased mightily, as the Lord God of thy fathers hath hath promised thee, in the land that floweth with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thy hand, and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes. And thou, and thou shalt write them upon the posts of thy house and on thy gates. And then moving on to verse 20. And when thy son asketh thee in time to come, saying, What mean the testimonies and the statutes and the judgments which the Lord our God hath commanded you? Then thou shalt say unto thy son, We were Pharaoh's bondmen in Egypt. And the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. And the Lord showed signs and wonders great and sore upon Egypt, upon Pharaoh, and upon all his household before our eyes. And he brought us out from thence that he might bring us in to give us the land which he sware unto our fathers. And the Lord commanded us to do all these statutes to fear the Lord our God for our good always, that he might preserve us alive as it is at this day. And it shall be our righteousness if we observe to do all these commandments before the Lord our God as he hath commanded us. A lot, a lot of, um, of, of good, strong um, thick theological uh, uh, teaching there in that passage, and, and I even took out the middle, the middle section just for, uh, uh, for the sake of time. But I'm, like I said, I'm going to park that verse right here. We're going to come back to it after I cover um, what are, um, when the, one of the challenges when you do a parenting class is it's such a wide, um, 
such a wide topic. There is all kinds of different things you could emphasize, things you could start with. Um, and so the three that I've chosen uh, are covenant authority, faith, and faithfulness. Um, so we're going to start with the idea of covenant authority, then we're going to progress on to um, the, the, the natural um, thing that happens when God intervenes with that covenant authority in our lives is faith, and what springs from faith is faithfulness. Um, so let's start by, with covenant authority, and the text that we're going to look at just, just briefly here uh, comes from Proverbs 13, uh, verse 24, and it's in your handout, and it says, "'He who spares his rod hates his son.'" But he who loves him disciplines him promptly. Um, and so the reason why we're starting with this is that um, one of the things I've noticed in the uh, 14 years or close to 15 years that I've been parenting um, is that parents oftentimes um, are, uh, lack confidence um, in, in what they're doing and in the, in the task that has been given to them. Um, our, our, our culture loves to look down on parents um, they love the, the idea that the kids are wiser than parents and that parents are actually doofuses who don't know any better and they're squares. And, and, and really, because we worship youth um, in youthfulness, we look at parents as kind of the has-beens as opposed to um, these um, people who have been granted covenant authority over their children. Uh, and so the reason why I chose this passage here uh, Proverbs thirteen twenty four, and Aaron, there's a handout there if you want. It's uh, probably sitting up a little closer to David. Uh, does, you guys have the handouts there? Yeah. Um, does, does anybody else need a handout? Okay. Right. Do you want to hand just a few over there? Perfect. Okay. Okay, so the reason why we, we, we picked this, I picked this one, uh, he who spares his rod hates his son, um, is because uh, as, we, as we look at um, where we begin on how to think about parenting, is we need to be comfortable with the fact that we have been given authority by God. Uh, and so that, uh, this verse is oftentimes just used to um, encourage parents to spank their kids, to not be afraid to spank their kids. And it's totally, it's totally a good and right verse to use it for that. But if that's the only thing we think about is that this means you should spank your kids, then we miss a much deeper uh, meaning of Scripture. Um, and, and that is uh, that the Hebrew word for rod is sabat or sebat, or I'm not sure how you pronounce it in Hebrew. But it, means, it could mean something as simple as a switch used for spanking your children. Um, but, it, but throughout Scripture, if you go to that word, you see that it actually denotes authority. Uh, so, for example, in Genesis 49, verse 10, uh, Jacob is giving all of these blessings on the 12 tribes, and he says on Judah, uh, on whom the, the, uh, on, to, to whom the, the promise uh, has been given, the promise of the Messiah, it says, "...the scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet, until tribute comes to him, and to him shall be the obedience of the peoples." And so that word scepter is the exact same word for rod, and so rod means authority. It's a scepter of authority. Um, in Psalm 2, we see that this same word is, uh, is spoken of by Christ. It says in Psalm 2, verse 7, I will tell of the decree. The Lord said to me, you are my son. Today I have, today I have begotten you. 
Ask of me, and I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possession. And you shall break them with a rod of iron and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. So Christ holds this rod over all the nations. And for those who refuse to bow the knee to him, they are broken with this rod of authority. Uh, that's for the heathens, they are broken by the rod. But for, for, for God's covenant people, Psalm 23 says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And so that same word shows up here um, as the, the thing that is actually brings comfort to the people of God. Uh, Psalm 45, 6 says, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of your righteousness is a scepter of uprightness. So once again, rod means authority. And so when we read in Proverbs 13, He who spares his rod hates his son, we're not just talking about whether or not you should spank your kids or not. What we're talking about is, are you willing to exercise authority over your son or your daughter? Because if you're not, because you feel disqualified or you feel like, oh man, I don't want to be, I don't want to be overbearing, it could be abusive. If you're, you actually, scripture says you're hating your son because he who loves him disciplines him promptly. And so um, think about that term rod. Think about the authority that you have been granted as, um, as parents. Um, just one more, one more thing that rod can mean. It can also mean tribe. Uh, so Genesis 49, 16. So still in, in Jacob, Jacob is still talking to um, all of his different uh, sons. And he says, Dan shall judge his people as one of the tribes of Israel. So part of the uh, part of the rod of authority in a parent's life is holding our sons and our daughters to the authority of their tribe uh, or their people. We, we are telling them by holding them to the, with, uh, with the rod of authority. We are saying, this is the way. Follow us, because this is where your people are, and therefore this is where God's people are. Um, so don't, so, so the, 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 the foundational thing that we're starting with here is that you have been given authority. And so, um, as, you, as you walk out of here, one of the things I hope you walk out of here with is more of a spirit-led confidence that God is with us in our work. He is leading and he is giving the growth. And so we ought to have confidence that we can lead with, um, we can lead with authority. We can lead with authority, regardless of our past, regardless of how we may have screwed up in the past. It doesn't change the fact that we are, have been given authority. Um, we, we talk a lot about uh, indicatives uh, and imperatives, the difference between indicatives and imperatives. An indicative being something that is just simply true, and you don't have to do anything. You don't even have to believe it, but it's still true. Um, and imperatives are the things you actually do. Well, the fact that parents have been given authority is just an indicative. Whether or not you act on it, whether or not you even believe it, doesn't change the fact that it is true. And if you truly love your children, then you will exercise authority with confidence, uh, not begrudgingly. Um, and so our, and, and the reason why we can do this with joy and with hope uh, is because our children belong to Christ. Um, you know, this is why, not everybody here, but this is why the session believes we should be baptizing our children from, from, an early, from, from the earliest age. Um, we, should, we should, because we see our children as belonging to Christ, we should see ourselves as the role of authority in their life. We should see ourselves as viceroys. There's this term viceroy, which is, uh, which is to be a ruler, 
um, not as the ultimate ruler, but as those who have been granted authority to rule. And so our covenant authority doesn't just come because dad says so. Although, um, you know, here's a tip, just saying because I said so, it's not great parenting, but it is actually, it is actually true. That's actually a, a true statement. If dad says so, then kids have to, have to abide by it. That's not great parenting, but it's one of those indicatives. Um, but we are supposed to be um, viceroy authorities, um, rulers who have been granted authority to rule. So Christ is the, true, is the true king, and we are simply and confidently investing, faith, uh, investing by faith the talent he has entrusted us with. Okay, So, so think of the, the parable of the talents. Um, and one guy is given 10, or one guy, they're, they're all given talents, and one guy um, invests his wisely, the next guy invests his wisely, and the third guy buries it in the ground. Um, this is, our children are talents that God has given us. Um, and so we are not to bury them in the ground, we are to invest them wisely, uh, and we don't get a choice in this. We don't get to decide um, whether or not we are going to invest them wisely or not, we have, to, we, we have to invest them in one way or the other. We either are going to be a faithful investor, uh, we're going to do this by faith, or we're going to see God as the, um, as the, unfaithful, um, as the unfaithful man did, uh, see him as exacting and, and um, unkind. And, and, and if we do that, we will, we will, end, up, um, we will end up parenting by, by fear. Um, so because Christ is the true king, we are simply... Um, but confidently investing uh, by faith uh, the talent he has entrusted us with. Uh, and so, so, so here's the imperative. Uh, that's the indicative. You, you have authority. The imperative, don't shun the responsibility of authority and bury your talent in the ground. Uh, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. You are not children. You are parents. And because you're parents, you need to rule, um, not as a child, where you feel uncomfortable with this mantle of authority you have been given. You've got the authority. How are you going to use it? Are you going to use it wisely, or are you going to use it foolishly? Put away childish things. Pick up the rod of authority in your child's life. Um, And so you see there the main idea. God has granted Christian parents authority, as viceroy, to raise their children and parents must exercise this authority regardless of previous success or failures if they desire to truly love their children and honor Christ. You can go all through Proverbs and you can find um, all kinds of things where um, choosing not to exercise authority over your children's life is equivalent to hating your children. You think it's loving, but it's the exact opposite because um, the things that seem foolish to man, uh, the wisdom of God seems like foolishness to man. Okay? Uh, it's, it's why the world can't understand why we would spank our children for hitting their sibling. It, it doesn't make sense, but it, it's, the way, it's the way God made the world. Um, so that's, that's covenant authority. Um, I, I, I'm going to move on to, to faith uh, in the promises of God. Is there any, did anything I say not make sense on that uh, that I maybe need to clarify? Uh, I'm gonna, there's going to be Q&A at the end, but uh, I just want to make sure that I don't get too far ahead of myself if I'm not making sense, so... Okay, great. Um, so number two is faith. So, so covenant authority, which is granted by God, um, is just, it's an indicatively true thing. Whether it's true for the pagans and it's true for, for God's people. Um, parents are in authority. And, it, and, and, and uh, 
you know, the Jews at the time of, the, of Proverbs, they had no trouble b- believing that. Um, and, and so what, what that leads us to is if, if we actually are going to wrestle with that concept of covenant authority, we have to do so by faith. So that means that we cannot um, try to muster, muster this out of ourselves. We have to first begin with faith in the promises of God. Uh, and so Genesis 15, uh, 5 and 6, um, God is, uh, is making this covenant with, uh, uh, with Abram. Uh, it says, Then he, God, brought him outside and said, now, Look now toward heaven and count the stars if you, are able, if, if you are able to number them. And he said to them, So shall your descendants be. And, and Abraham, or Abram, believed in the Lord, and he accounted it to him for righteousness. So, so Abram hears this from God, and his righteousness is believing. So as parents, once we understand this concept of authority, the most important thing we can do is simply believe the promises that God has given us regarding our children. That's the most important thing we can do, and it doesn't seem like we're doing anything. But it is absolutely foundational. All of the tri- t- tricks and tactics for parenting won't amount to anything if we don't first believe that our children have a specific standing in the eyes of God. Um, and so in Genesis 15, 5 through 6, it says that God credited to Abram righteousness simply by believing. So if you don't believe God is at work with you, you will parent by fear rather than faith. So if you don't believe God's at work with you, you will parent by fear rather than faith. So begin by simply believing that covenant children already belong to God, okay? Uh, if you do that, even if, even, if the, even if you leave the baptism question out of it, if you're convicted that a kid needs to have a profession of faith before they're baptized, that's fine. But start by believing that they belong to God. Just start there. And if you see them as such, it will fundamentally change how you parent them. Uh, in Malachi 2.15, uh, God, God says, uh, he says, uh, Malachi says, did, did he not make them one with a portion of the Spirit in their union? And what was the one God seeking? Godly offspring. So guard yourselves in your spirit and let none of you be faithless to the wife of your youth. So we have this promise to uh, a Christian man and a Christian woman, woman, that God is seeking something from that marriage. He is seeking godly offspring. And he's even going to hold us responsible for that godly offspring. It says all throughout Proverbs that a foolish son is a shame to his parents. Because parents know if my kid grows up and, and joins the hell's angels, that's, that's to my shame. That's a shame on me. But if he grows up in his, in his wise then that's a glorious thing. That, that, brings, that brings honor upon my head. And so God is calling us to raise up godly offspring, but he's not calling us to do it on our own. He's also promising that he will accomplish it. So if God is seeking godly offspring from the union between godly man and godly woman, it follows that God is the one at work, work creating the faith in the hearts of the seed of those couples. So God is commanding you to raise your children to be Christians, but he's also saying, I will give, I will give the growth. So a fruitful covenant union is a child, is, is a child of the covenant. Uh, so a fruitful covenant union. So, so think about this. Man and woman get married. Um, the, the fruit of that is a child of the covenant who looks like Christ, talks like Christ, thinks like Christ, and loves like Christ. That's, 
That's what our marriages should be producing. That's what Malachi is saying. God wants our marriages to be producing godly offspring. And if they're not, then obviously we've got a, we've got a, we've got a major problem. And so when we think through um, why it's such a big deal um, that we believe first, uh, even though that doesn't feel like we're doing anything, believing is what God considers currency in the kingdom. When you believe, he counts that to you as righteousness. Um, and so when we want, when we want that, we, we should all want that, those fruitful children. We should all want that, um, that, that fruitful child that grows up to love Jesus. Um, but that, that fruit is impossible for us to do on our own. We can't do this. And yet we're told that we're uh, responsible for the outcome of these children. Because if they, if they, don't, turn, if they don't love Jesus... That's on our shame. If, if my kids go off the deep end and, and turn from Christ, as an elder, I'm no longer qualified. I have to step down. I no longer uh, have any business shepherding the household of God if my own children aren't following. But God is not, um, God is not a, an unkind God. He understands our frame. He knows that we're but dust. And so, therefore, he says, do this and believe that I will be working through you. So if we believe these promises, then God promises to credit this to us as righteousness. Believing God's promises is quite literally what the gospel is all about. It's the foundation of our doctrine of faith alone. So we believe in the idea of faith alone. So when we believe in Christ, we are believing the promises of Jesus Christ. That is the gospel. So Romans 4, 1 through 5, it's, it's hailing back to, uh, to Genesis. It says, What then shall we say was gained by Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the Scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Now to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. And to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. So the main takeaway from this is parent, Christian parents must begin, this is where we start, by believing God's promises regarding their covenant children. Before we can implement effective and fruitful parenting, we must first believe that God has already promised to give the growth. Okay, So you've, you're all laboring in this garden that is called your children. You're planting, you're watering, but only God can give the growth. But if you don't believe that he's going to, then you're not even in the garden to begin with. You're, you're, you're just, you, because God looks at the heart, all we can do is look at the outside. So if we believe that our children belong to him, it will fundamentally alter um, how we actually exercise our faithfulness to God. Any questions on that before we move on to number three? Finally, um, so just to recap, we've got this, this indicative thing that is true, that God has granted um, parents authority over their children, uh, and um, what that should lead us to is a, um, we, should, we should look at the world and we should say, okay, well, what does God say about Christians, Christian children? Okay, um, what does God say about that? Okay, if he says that about Christian children, about covenant children, I'm going to start by believing that that, that, that is true. And then that leads us to faithfulness. That's obedience. That's, that's the sign that the, that the heart has been made new. And that's where we come to Ephesians 6, 4. Uh, and you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. 
So faithfulness is the end result of once we truly believe the promises of God regarding our children. Then, of course, we should all say, um, as the man did, as the parent did to Jesus, Lord, help my unbelief. So we should believe. We should also ask God, help our unbelief. But once we truly believe the promises of God regarding our children, we will find ourselves treating our children as fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ through the gospel. Now, that's Ephesians 3.6, 3, and that is dividing the difference between Gentiles and Jews. The Christian church doesn't really have a Jew-Gentile distinction anymore, but we often have a parent-child distinction. We, often, we, we, will, do this, we will do this all throughout um, the, the, the broader evangelical world where we, we look at parents and kids as fundamentally different um, members of this, of this body. We, we see them as, well, the, the kids need to do their kids' things and the parents need to do their parents' things. Um, but, but if we look at Ephesians 3, 6 and how Paul tells us that, 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 that there is no difference between Jews and Gentiles, we should also look at our covenant children and we should say that they are fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ through the gospel. Um, and one of the ways that this kind of, uh, one of the ways our, our foolishness or our immaturity as a, as a broader church comes out is our modern fascination with wild testimonies. Um, we, love, we love the prodigal son um, stories in real life. We love to hear about people who grew up in the church and then rebelled and then came back because that means that they really had a true conversion experience. And I think it's, it's not uncommon for us to look um, once again, I'm speaking broadly, uh, but because it's in our culture, it's easy, for, it's, it's easy to, um, it's easy, we, we breathe that air, and we sometimes don't even notice it. But we can look at those, those testimonies to the kids who never knew a day where they didn't love Jesus. We can kind of look at that with a little bit of an arched eyebrow, like, well, are, you know, are you even saved? I mean, how, 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 are you, how are you sure if you haven't had a dramatic conversion from, you know, Horrible, the horrible things of the world. Uh, and so um, those, the, the prodigal son is a very important story. It's, it's incredibly important because we have a church full of prodigal sons oftentimes. But it's, it shouldn't necessarily be the standard for what all of our children, we should expect for all of our children. We should expect, our expectation um, should be to see faith in them at the earliest stages of their life. Uh, this means that we will teach them to pray. We'll teach them to love Jesus. We'll teach them to hate their sin. We'll teach them to confess. We'll teach them to repent and trust in Christ daily. We'll teach them to remember their baptisms whenever it is that they get baptized, whether it's later in life or uh, remember a baptism that they weren't even cognizant for because they were a little baby. We'll say, you have been baptized. The name of Christ is on your forehead, and that changes everything. So instead of viewing our children as outsiders until they make a profession of faith, um, this, por- this portion of our obedience should be to first start by trusting the promises, um, and then we will, see, if we do that, we will see our children as co-laborers, and we will suffer the little children to come unto Jesus. We'll expect them to, and we'll understand that the kingdom of, God, of, of heaven belongs to little tiny babies. That's how Jesus talked about kids, and that's how we should um, and so we have here in, in Ephesians 6, 4, uh, fathers do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the fear and admonition of the Lord. And um, uh, fathers are told here, fathers specifically are told 
Um, but of course, this applies to parents in general, but fathers specifically, because as, the, as goes the father, so goes the family. That's another indicative. Fathers lead their families, um, whether or not, uh, as, as, uh, as uh, Doug Wilson says, fathers will lead their, their families just by the empty chair of their absence. They're still leading their families, even if they're not there. So fathers are told not to provoke our children to anger, but to rather shape their whole life around the lordship and rule of King Jesus. So we have this covenantal authority. We believe the promises, and then fathers say, okay, uh, okay, little Johnny, every single breathing second of your life is going to be shaped by Christ uh, the King. Uh, and so one of the most dangerous ways I think um, we are tempted to provoke our children to anger um, is to doubt their faith in Christ because we see their immaturity up close. Okay? Parents oftentimes will doubt um, our own children's faith because we see their immaturity. We see our, our kids, kids are just immature. As C.S. Lewis said, you, you can't expect to have... Um, an old head on young shoulders. Immaturity is built into it, into children. Foolishness is bound up in their heart. And so when when we as fathers, uh, and mothers can do this as well, but when we doubt their faith, um, we are provoking them to anger. Um, So so, um, we must have faith and we must expect to see faith in them. Part of us having faith is to expect to see faith in them. It shouldn't surprise us when our children show faith. We shouldn't, be, we shouldn't be like, whoa, blown away. Like, can you believe this? They're, they're showing faith. We should be overjoyed. We, we should be amazed in the sense that a sunset is amazing, but not surprised like, whoa, the sun, sun went down. Who expected that? No, we know the sun's going to go down, but when it does, we're amazed by how beautiful it is. So when we see faith in our children at the earliest age, we, that's, that's just what's, it's what's expected. It's what's expected. It's why Muslim parents have Muslim kids, and atheist parents have atheist kids, and Christian parents have Christian kids. God made the world to work this way. So rather than provoking them by doubting their faith uh, or some other provocation, that's certainly not the only way fathers can provoke, um, but this provocation will lead them away from Christ. So rather than provoking them and leading them away from Christ, we are told to always lead them to the king. And this means filling their every corner of life with the culture of Christ. And so, and this is where I'm going to give a few just very broad um, practical things that, uh, that you can do as parents. Uh, and that is, you know, commitment to worship needs to, commitment to Lord's Day worship needs to be at the top of the list. One of the things you're teaching your children is that the week is, is structured by Jesus. And every, every seven days, he calls us into his presence. And when he does that, we are not ever going to have a reason not to do it, ever, uh, with the exception of sickness. Or there, there's, there, you know, if you're on vacation, find a church. Go, go find a place to worship because God is always calling his people. And the most important thing we can teach our children is to want to please God. And that's, how, that's one of the ways we do it. Of course, uh, we, the, the other six days of the week, we need to ask ourselves, how are they being educated uh, they must be brought up in this the paideia of the Lord, this in, total enculturation of the Lord. So, so that puts many uh, educational options just off the table. Um, we need to be expecting first-time obedience from them. Uh, obedience should be right away. It should be all the way, and it should be cheerfully every time. 
My kids don't do that every time, but if I'm faithfully holding the scepter of authority, I will correct them when they don't, because this is the standard. Um, kids should be told never, under any circumstance, disrespect mom. And you might say, well, why not dad, too? Well, oftentimes, fathers don't receive the disrespect from their parents that kids will give to their moms, because fathers have built into them more, uh, once again, how, the, how the, way, the, the way God made the world is fathers generally carry more um, respect um, from the children. It just, just naturally happens that way. It doesn't mean they always will. That's why the command is to honor your father and your mother. But, but there can be a zero-tolerance policy for dads to ever see your kids disrespect mom under any circumstance. We should be seeing and inculcating in them the fruit of the Spirit. Um, and, the, and the fruit of the Spirit is not multiple fruits. It's just one, it's one fruit. And it's, you, you don't just get to pick and choose what fruits of the Spirit. It's all one fruit, and it's all crowned with self-control. So our kids need to have self-control. Um, and, and so these are, some, these are just some very practical ways in which, as parents, we need to be parenting by faith with authority and holding them accountable. And because, and because they are fellow heirs to the promises of Christ, that means they are held accountable to the commands of Christ. They don't get the, well, I'm a short little pagan, so, so don't hold me accountable. No, they, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That's, that was what Joshua said, and that's what we ought to say, um, fathers and mothers both. Um, and, and, but we should also do it knowing that the Holy Spirit has been promised to them. First uh, Corinthians 7 says, our children... Are holy. If, they, if just one parent is a believer, they're holy. It doesn't mean they don't sin. It just means that God sees them in a different way than he would see um, the child of an atheist. Um, they're covenantally tied to their heavenly father. Um, so the main idea here is having believed the promises, it follows we treat covenant children not as pagans, but as holy and covenantally tied to their heavenly father. Parents generally and fathers specifically are called to shape every aspect of their children's lives from birth, Paideia, with Christ as king. This is not something that just happens once they reach an age of accountability. This is something they are held accountable to their whole life. And so I'm going to close with this um, as we, we started off with this passage from Deuteronomy 6. And the whole, the whole uh, passage is wonderful. Uh, but I, I stopped at verse 9 and I picked up again at verse 20. Uh, because I want you to see the progression I have at the bottom of your page. You see, the progression is God's authority, and God teaches his children. And that leads to faith, we believe, and that leads to faithfulness, we obey. So faithfulness can't come first. Faith has to come first. But then true faith will always produce faithfulness. And so that's how God teaches us. He teaches us with authority, and he, he, he calls us to faith. He calls us to faithfulness, and this, we should do the same. We teach our children with covenant authority, We're, as viceroys, we are, we've been put in this, in this role as, uh, of authority, um, and so we call them to faith, uh, and, and we do it in faith. We call them to faithfulness, and we do it by our own faithfulness. And so if you look in uh, Deuteronomy 6, you'll see um, that that's exactly what happens. It says, um, now this is the commandment, the statutes and rules that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you that you, may do, uh, that you may do them in the land to which you are going over to possess. So that's God's authority teaching all of his children. Um, that you may fear the Lord your God. So that's faith. Fearing the Lord the God, our God is faith. That's, that's what comes next. You and your son and your son's sons. By, and, then, and then there's faithfulness. By keeping all of his statutes and his commandments, which I commanded you all the days of your life, 
that your days may be long. So there's the, there's the covenant promise as well. Um, and then going to verse 20, this is where, God, uh, where Moses kind of hands it over to the parents and says, when your son asks you in time to come, what is the meaning of the testimonies and the statutes and the rules that the Lord our God has commanded you? Then you shall say to your son, so here, this, this, this transfer of authority to God's covenant children, um, when he says um, uh, uh, that, that the Lord our God has commanded you, then you shall say to your son, we... So there's this, there's this um, uh, we and us all throughout here. It says, we were Pharaoh, Pharaoh's slaves in Egypt, and the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. And the Lord showed signs and wonders great and grievous against Egypt and against Pharaoh and all his household before our eyes. And it goes on, and there's us, 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 we, our. There's this language of, in, I hate to even say the language of inclusivity because that's a, that's a term that, that our culture uses, but it really is language of inclusivity. Our children are included, and we, in, in uh, Deuteronomy 6 shows the father including his children in this by using things like, this is what God did to us. This is the way, son. Follow me. Um, the, the, the Jews would say this. Jews who'd never been to Egypt but because they were covenantally there, they were covenantally delivered, and they've been covenantally given this authority to train their children to believe these things and to obey God as a result. Uh, gracious God in heaven, we thank you that um, you have called us to be parents, uh, those of us here who are parents, and, and that you have called us as parents to, um, to walk by faith and not by, by sight. Uh, we ask, Father, that you would help us to, uh, to walk out of here and be um, encouraged that we um, can uh, exercise authority as, as parents, and, and we don't have to worry that we are somehow um, overstepping our bounds, uh, but that, in fact, that's how we love our children, is to, is to um, hold them accountable with the, rod of, uh, with the rod of authority. I ask, Father, that we would walk every day by faith and not by sight, and that we would recognize that it is not our own works that accomplishes things. Uh, but it is, the, it is your graciousness towards us through Christ that accomplishes anything. Uh, and I pray, Father, that you would give each and every one of the, of the saints in this room uh, that we would all have children who always love Jesus and that we would have uh, that, that our discussion of, of apostasy would be something um, more in the theoretical rather than in the reality for any of us here. Um, and we pray, Father, that you would do this for your glory and for your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen.